Thank you for joining us in our Luke series, the most important story ever told. Easter is the celebration of the greatest event that has ever happened. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most defining moment in human history. That's why we pause. That's why we gather. And for followers and uh, those that are true believers in Jesus, Easter really is not just an annual event. It is something we celebrate every day, 365, 24-7, because Jesus Christ has risen indeed. Come on, give the Lord a praise. The Lord is amongst us here today. And if you're visiting, we're so glad to have you. Maybe you are here for the first time, or maybe you've been here a few times, but we're so glad to have you here today. Give it up for Nick and this worship team. That worship set was tremendous. Amen. Powerful, powerful, powerful. But if you're visiting and you would like more info on who we are, please go to the website, uh, our website, thecrossloganville.org. You'll find a variety of things listed there for you. If you're interested in who we are and want more information, if you'll fill out the guest card, we'll send you, we'll send you information on the various ministries we have here. And uh, we would love uh, for you to be a part of what God is doing here at the cross. When you start to observe and study world religions, did you know that Jesus Christ is the only world leader to have lived a perfect and sinless life? Did you know that Jesus is the only one that died a sacrificial death to atone for the sins of of the people. And did you know that Jesus is the only one to have defeated death, hell, and the grave by being raised on the third day to demonstrate his power and authority as the ultimate king? That's who we pause and celebrate here today. The Apostle Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, if Christ has not been raised, all of our preaching is useless. Your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. But he goes on to say, but the fact is, Christ has been raised from the dead. Thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the Lord. And I will tell you that the resurrection of Christ is the foundational truth that our entire belief system is founded on. It is the hinge on which the door of Christianity swings. If there be no resurrection, the door of the gospel is closed and we are here today with no hope. But praise be to God that Christ has risen from the dead. The church was birthed as a result of Jesus raising from the dead. That's what we celebrate here today. So if we even tap the brakes and go back a few days and we ponder even Friday, we call it Good Friday, but Good Friday was a day of torture. And when we sing about the power of the cross, when you look at it, what you remember happened some 2,000 years ago is the righteous one, the holy one, the perfect one willfully embraced the shame and the scorn and the disgrace of the cross. He was murdered. He was brutally beaten, bloodied and shredded. And it was there that the wrath of God and the sin of all humanity, which is your sin and my sin, and the sin of 
any person who has ever lived was dumped on Jesus Christ. It was there at the cross that the innocent died for the guilty. Jesus paid the price once and for all to redeem us so that we could have a relationship with the Father. But Friday's torture would be overcome with Sunday's joy. When those ladies arrived at the tomb, what they heard from the angel was, he is not here, the grave is vacated, Jesus is not here, he is now ascended and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's what we celebrate today. And so when you contemplate the gospel narrative, I can tell you that the heart of heaven is that a holy God is pursuing sinful man, people like you and I, and he's offering us salvation, and he's offering us forgiveness, and freedom, and joy, and hope, and peace. Praise the Lord, Christ has been risen from the dead. This morning, I want to share with you five, uh, if you will, powerful truths that the resurrection declares, and they're going to be simple, but I want you to, to sit there and contemplate them for yourselves. The first thing I would share with you is this. The resurrection declares that God loves all people. And to say it a different way would be this, God loves you. John 3.16, the most quoted verse, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in Jesus would not perish but would have everlasting life. Verse 17 says, God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but he sent his son so that the world might be saved through him. Stop, stop. When you walked in here today, based on what's happening in your life, even right now, and what you've been going through over the last few days, even the last few weeks, do you feel loved? Deep in your heart, you sit here this morning, do you truly feel loved? Do you even feel lovable? There's so many people that battle that. So many people wander through life and struggle through life not even feeling like they're loved. One of my best friends, my neighbor Dallas, we've talked multiple times over the last few years. But Dallas, when he shares his story, will tell you when he was two years old, his earthly dad abandoned the family. And Dallas said, man, I grew up with this wound in my soul. I grew up feeling rejected and abandoned. Dallas would get married, and after a short period of time in his first marriage, she left him. And he would tell me, man, I did not feel loved. I did not feel lovable. I had so much abandonment and rejection and betrayal in my life, Tim. He said, I, I, I hurt, and it's almost like every person I've ever got close to has is, they've left me until I met Christ. He loves me. I know he's with me. I know he will never forsake me. How about you? Have you been abandoned, rejected? Has people turned on you? Maybe you walked in here today and you go, man, I, I, I don't think God loves me. I think God's upset with me. God is frustrated with me. God is irritated with me. Man, you don't know how reckless and sinful and rebellious my narrative is. I, I, I think he's had enough of my junk. And if that's the way you think, you've got a wrong view of God. 
God loves you today. I promise you he does. And God is for you today. God wants to see you flourish in life. But so many people have this view of God that God is a cosmic killjoy and God is a cosmic sheriff and all he wants to do is punish me. Some people think that way. But Jesus didn't come to destroy your life. Jesus came that you might have life. I've had people over the years look at me and go, yeah, but you just don't know my story. You you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. To which I respond, you're right. But you don't know my story. You don't know my story. You don't know that for 22 years I lived lost in the world. You don't know that when I was 13, I got introduced to porn and pornography and immoral life would have such a stronghold on me until I got saved. The enemy used to eat my lunch in that area. I got introduced to alcohol at the age of 14. Drink like a guppy for a season of life. I got introduced, smoked a little weed here and there. When I looked at my life, I I would say, "You, you don't know me. I didn't have any structure in my life. I had no accountability in my life. I had no direction in my life. And so the enemy is going to use that sad narrative I was living, SAD, no structure, accountability, and direction to introduce you to sex, alcohol, and drugs to try to sedate you and medicate you. You may say, man, that's the traps I've fallen into. And the truest thing about you today is not that you've used, abused, or not that you've been betrayed or rejected. The truest thing about you today is that you are loved by God. God loves you, and the glorious hope of the resurrection declares that God so loved that God gave, and God wants you to have a relationship with him no matter where you find yourself today. The second glorious truth that the resurrection declares is that death has been defeated, Death has been defeated. Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 15 again, Christ died for our sin according to Scripture. Why did he die? For the glory of God. But he died for our sin according to the Scripture. He was buried, and on the third day, Jesus was raised from the dead. Paul would go on to say, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? He would say that death has been swallowed up through the victory of Jesus Christ on the cross through the resurrection of the dead, it's been swallowed up. It's been dealt with. And so I want to declare over you today that Jesus Christ has died for all sin, past, present, and future, of the entire world. And that Jesus was resurrected on the third day, that death does not have any victory over us unless we empower it to do so. Death has been defeated. One of man's greatest fears is death. I was talking to a gentleman just this past Thursday, a construction guy, and I, I was hanging out with this guy for a few moments, but he looked at me and he said, he said, Pastor, would you pray for me? And I said, sure, I'll pray for you, but what specifically do you need prayer for? He said, I've had six family members die in the last five years, and the fear of death has grabbed me. I can't get outside of my own head. I'm thinking, maybe I'm going to be the next one to die. And I looked at him and said, do you you fear death? Do you fear death? 
I had a guy tell me years ago, he said, I don't fear death. I just fear getting dead. That getting dead kind of freaks me out a little bit. I said, yeah, I've, I've been there too. But I've had a lot of people over the years tell me, man, I'm, I, I have this fear of death. But really, is that the greatest fear? Or is the greater fear really knowing that you've lived a life with no purpose, no hope, no peace, no joy, no assurance of where you're going when you take your last breath? What is the greater fear? We did a, a Good Friday service at our farm, Dallas and I, on a Friday, and I, I, was, I was looking at the radar, and I'm like, hey, I think we're going to be able to go outside, praise the Lord. Yesterday morning, I, I got on the Weather Channel app, and I was looking at the forecast for Saturday, and I'm like, uh, what's going to happen today? And as I looked on it, based on the radar, I saw a little light green and a little dark green and a little blue and a little yellow and a little whatever other colors they want to throw on there. And everything on the radar said, uh, it's raining and it's going to continue to rain. And I looked at that and I said, well, there you go. Were you afraid of that forecast? No, I wasn't afraid. Were you sitting around biting your nails because it was raining and was going to rain more? No, no, what I concluded was, why should I fear what I know I can't escape? Jesus said, the soul that sins will surely die, which means I can't escape it. So why fear the forecast of what he's predicted? I've got a buddy battling some health issues right now. And a few months ago, he and I were talking, and I've been praying for this brother. But I was talking to him this one day, and I said, hey, I want you to hear something. I'm not praying that you will not die. Because every person that has ever lived, if that was their goal, they didn't meet it. Every person has died. I said, I'm praying that you would live every day fully alive in Christ no matter how many more days you get. And I think a lot of times we pray, oh, Lord, I don't want to see this person die. They're going to die. When? I, I, I don't know. But is death to be feared? You go, you're talking about death, dude. That freaks me out. I understand. I understand. On July 4th, 2021, when I got down to Noonan, where I grew up that morning, I got there and my dad was laying in that bed. And I knew, based on what hospice had said, hey, man, we don't think he's got many hours left. My dad had come to faith in the risenness of Jesus Christ back in 1984, and I saw a life that was radically transformed by the power of the gospel. I pulled up a chair next to that man's bed, that man that held me for the first time before any other man's hands would touch my life. The man that fed me, the man that taught me to play sports, the man that taught me work ethic, the man that taught me discipline, he's laying there and he's about to die. And I was staring death right in his eyes. But more than looking at death, I was staring life in its eyes. My dad, was he afraid of dying? No. Did my dad have peace in his heart and a calm in his soul because of that relationship with Jesus Christ? He did. And when he took that last breath at 9.44 p.m. on July 24th, it was almost like God had allowed the fireworks to be exploding around us as my dad exploded into the presence of God. And I looked and I said, death, where is your sting? It has been swallowed up in victory. 
death. You don't scare me. That man is now absent from this body, and he is present with the Lord because of what Jesus did through the power of the resurrection. The resurrection declares that death has been defeated. Jesus says, I have the keys to death, to hell, and the grave. Charles Spurgeon would say, there is a huge difference between the death of the godly and the death of the ungodly. Death comes to the ungodly man as a penalty of infliction, but to the righteous as an invitation to his father's palace. To the sinner is an execution, but to the saint is an undressing from his sins and his sickness. Death to the wicked is the king of terror. Death to the saint is the end of all terrors. It is the graduation to glory. July 4th, 2021, when I looked at that man, because of his faith in Jesus Christ, I knew that I was witnessing a graduation to glory. I was like, look at that. Look at the blessed hope of the gospel. A third thing that the resurrection declares is that we can be forgiven. We can live a life knowing that we're forgiven. Colossians 2.14 says Jesus has forgiven all our sins. All. He has canceled out every record of the debt that we owed. Christ has done away with all of my sin and all of my debt that I would owe God by nailing it to the cross. Is that not a great place to reside? You walk in here today, and if you've come to place your faith and hope and anchor it in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you go, I'm forgiven. My debt has been canceled out. I owe nothing. Jesus' blood was sufficient. God's forgiveness has been extended to me. I'm walking forgiven. Uh, forgiven. I'm walking free today. God truly forgives me. You go back some 2,000 years ago when Jesus was nailed to the cross. And you go, man, was there forgiveness being offered that day? I can tell you, yes. Even the disciples that ran away and fled and loved Jesus, he forgave them. Even the Roman soldiers that were nailing him to the cross, he would cry out, Father, forgive them. They, they, they don't know what they're doing for all those religious onlookers that had attacked him and criticized him and mocked him, he forgave them. As you walk in here today, the sacrifice that Christ made some 2,000 years ago was to forgive you and forgive me of all of our sin. Here's the thing about the forgiveness of Christ, though. It has to be personally received. You can say, oh, I know he's forgiven me. He took all my sin on the cross, but have I received? Have I received his unconditional love and forgiveness into my life? Have you? Have you asked Christ to really take over your life? Have you stepped into that forgiven state, knowing that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our iniquity from us? I can tell you it's a beautiful thing, and that's one of the declarations of the resurrection of Christ. Here's a fourth one. And I missed a couple of things. Let me hit it before I move on. 
Let me give you a verse, 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is a verse that I memorized shortly after I came to faith in Christ. Why? Because I knew I had plenty of sin. But I believed that if I would confess that sin to God, that he was faithful and just and he would forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. When you start to think about forgiveness and the amazing gift that it is, if our greatest need had been information or money or pleasure, God would have sent a professor or a banker or an entertainer. But God knew that our deepest need was forgiveness and he sent us a savior. And I pray that you would receive that gift of forgiveness from the Savior. Here's my fourth point. One of the powerful declarations of the resurrection is this. We can now have God's spirit live inside of us. We can have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead residing inside of us. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this. You will receive power. The word there is dunamis. It's where we get the English word dynamite. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Ephesians 3, 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, even far more abundantly than anything that we can ask, think, or imagine, whatever, to him, praise be to him, that now according to that power that works within us, God wants you to experience his power. God wants to give you a transcendent power that would allow you to live every day to the full. Do I believe that? Yes. When I started walking into the power that God had for me, I was scared. Lord, I don't even know what this feels like, but God started leading me to do things I never thought I could do. God started opening up doors I never thought that I would ever walk through. What happened? It was the power. When you hear when you hear Nick and, and, and Teresa and Lisa singing today, and I'm just sitting there going, there's the power of the Holy Spirit leaking out of them as they sing these songs. They're not singing it to, to entertain you. They're in worship to God. And I'm like, look at what power. The power of God is on display. And if you ever start to tap into the power of God, I promise you this. You will want to leave the land of just reasoning in the logical, and you will want to start to reason in the theological. You will say, you know what? I've lived life in the natural long enough. I want to live in the supernatural. You need God's power if you're going to stay clean. You need God's power if you're going to walk with him every day. You need God's power if you're going to love your neighbor. You need God's power if you're going to forgive those that have absolutely shredded you. You need God's power, and he has made that available when he cries out from the cross, it is finished, Jesus bowed his head, and he gave up his power. He gave up the Holy Spirit. Here's a fifth declaration for you. We can have assurance of a future in heaven. We can know for sure, one of the one of the declarations of the resurrection is that you can know for sure where you're going to spend your eternity. You don't have to guess. You don't, you don't have to doubt. 1 Peter chapter 1, Eugene Peterson in the message captures it this way. He goes, what a God we have. The Father of our Master Jesus, 
And because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life, and we have everything to live for, including a future in heaven that starts right now. I want to give you assurance of where you're going to spend your eternity. If you come to me and place your faith in me and really believe me, I'm going to give you a future. But it doesn't start when you take your last breath. It starts right now because I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. I want you to tap into this life, this godliness, this power that I have for you. Man, I love that passage right there. It starts right now. And it can start right now for you. You've wandered and you've wasted years and you, you've never surrendered. The good news is that life can start for you right now, but you're going to have to repent. And you're going to have to cry out to Jesus and surrender to him. We were in here Friday morning for a celebration of life service. And uh, we were celebrating uh, our friend Norm Horner two years ago. There was a couple that moved to this area from Toledo, Ohio, Norm and Lana. And uh, Norm started to attend church here. He and Lana did. And they sat right there where you're sitting, Joseph. And, and they would sit there week after week in that first service. And they came in, and we didn't know who they were. And anyway, they started to engage with us. And Norm and Lana came from a strong Catholic marinade. And so they had all this religious belief stuff in their a portfolio, if you will. And he would hear the word taught and he would hear the gospel taught and he would hear about a personal relationship with Christ being emphasized. And that was foreign to him. He had grown up with Hail Marys and doing some rosaries and all this stuff. He, he had this religious flavor in him. And after a few weeks, when the teaching would end and we would move into a time of prayer, I, I saw Norm a few times get up and he would step out and he would move over and ask for prayer. And I was like, I don't know who this guy is. But Dustin started meeting with Norm. And Dustin would talk with him and pray with him. And then they set up one-on-one -on -one times and he started to explain to him the gospel. Norm goes, I've never heard this before. I don't know what this all means. I, all I know is religious structure, but I didn't know you could have a, a personal relationship with this God. And, and, and one Sunday, in the fall of 2021, Norm says, today, Dustin, I am surrendering to Christ. Like, praise the Lord. So powerful. He got involved with radical mentoring, a men, men's ministry we have here, and with Chad and Spencer and other guys. He started being mentored even more and stayed with that for nine months. And you guys saw such radical transformation. A guy working through some of the pain and betrayal and hurt and waywardness of his own life. And, and, and letting go of religion and really starting to tap into a relationship with Christ. I got a phone call the day before Thanksgiving, 130, 135 days ago, whatever it was. Hey, Norm's in the hospital, man. Something's wrong. He's not doing well. So I go over to Piedmont and get back to the room, and he's laid up, and they've got IV dripping, and he and Lana are there, and Lana's got tears in her eyes. And I said, so, so what's going on? We just found out he's been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. I'm like, oh, man. So we prayed together and stayed there for a bit. A few days later, well, it's stage four. It spread throughout his body. And I was like, man, look at this story right here unfolding, right? And so he started to tank. His body started to deteriorate. 
But about five or six weeks ago, he's like, I've got to be baptized in the Christian faith. I was sprinkled as a Catholic, but I've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And Chad, one Sunday, baptized Norm. And I sat there and watched this because a life had been changed. Eight days ago, that brother took his last breath. And you know what? We celebrated with him because he had assurance of where he was about to go. Because of his faith in Christ and because of repenting of his sin and because of coming to the realization that religion can't save me, I need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When we stood here the other day and celebrated his life, it was a time of celebration because one of the declarations of the resurrection is you can know where you're going to spend your eternity. And I think for a lot of people who have had church affiliation but never have surrendered and pledged it all, Trey, to Christ Jesus, they still have this uncertainty of where they're going to go. You can have assurance of your salvation. The Scripture says that God is not slow about his promises and his kindness, but he does not wish for any to perish He desires that all come to repentance. That's why Jesus would say, all of you come to me if you're tired and weary and heavy laden and beat up with religion. Come to me and let me show you what rest for your soul looks like. I want to give you salvation. I want to give you life because I am life. I have defeated death, hell, and the grave, and you will not find life apart from me. And I pray that you step into that life even here today. I pray that you would experience the glorious hope of the gospel. Let me close you with this. So as we contemplate the Easter narrative, the glorious hope of the resurrection declares that God really does love you. Whoever you are and whatever you're going through today, I can tell you God loves you. God loves you the way you are, but loves you too much to let you stay the way you are. I can promise you here today that the resurrection declares that Jesus Christ has defeated death, hell, and the grave once and for all. That's why I can look in my daddy's eyes knowing I'm going to spend eternity with him. Knowing that death didn't get the last voice. That's why we could celebrate that with Norm. Death doesn't have the final say. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. The resurrection declares that forgiveness is is now been made available and extended to all of us. I'm like, we can all experience forgiveness? Yes. Yes, you can. So you're telling me that God desires for me to be totally consumed and saturated and filled with his power and Holy Spirit? Yeah, he, he, he really does, John Mark. He, he wants you to have it. And you're telling me that the promise of heaven can be a reality if I will step into that personal relationship, if I truly believe. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Romans 10, 9 says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, Confess, homologia is the word. It means to say exactly what God says about something. If you will confess, say what God says about Jesus, that he is Lord, authority, and master, Savior, and believe in your heart. Believe 
that God has raised Jesus from the dead, he says you can be saved. You can be rescued from darkness into white. You can be rescued out of this miry clay and have your feet anchored on the rock of Christ if you believe. He goes on to say, whoever believes in Jesus will never be disappointed. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And my encouragement to you today is that you would call on the name of the Lord. You will never be disappointed that you will confess that he is Savior, Lord, and Master. But you, you would not postpone it any longer. You would not continue just to roll the dice and, and say, you know, I'm, I'm going to live for me just a little bit longer. That you would really today sell out and surrender to Christ saying, would you take over my life? Would you give me your power? I want to receive your forgiveness. I want to walk whole and free.